0: Well, we are taking a break, a month-long break, from our series in the book of Ephesians. And the new series is called Five Promises for This Pandemic. We need targeted encouragement for this troubling time. And so check out the topics here. We started by covering purpose. God promises to work this together for good. Last week, we talked about presence. God promises to be with us as we grow in love. Today, we're going to talk about provision. God promises to meet all of our needs. And then we'll move on to God's protection and God's power. These sermons are meant to be encouraging for us. These are things that we can rely on, promises that we can cling to. So today we're going to see a portrait of God's provision in Elijah's life. So grab your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going back to 875 BC. And Elijah, let me just say, wow. When we think of Elijah... This is his big debut in the Bible, the first time that he's mentioned. He would become the first person to raise the dead, the second person to ascend to heaven without dying. He would challenge the 450 prophets of Baal in a duel to the death on Mount Carmel. In the New Testament, when Jesus would call back for just two Old Testament heroes for an encore, he he called Moses and Elijah. What an amazing life was in store for this prophet. Elijah was only great because he spoke on behalf of a great God. And and in 1 Kings 17, this is his first time showing up in the Bible. We're going to see how God provided for Elijah. So let's pray and then we'll get into the word together. Thank you, Father, that we see portraits in your Bible, in your word, in the Old Testament of how you provide for your people. Father, I pray that as we are in this troubling and confusing time, that you would help your people to bring all of their fears to you, especially about your provision. Help them to pour their hearts out to you and through this story that we will see today, show them that you will provide. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in 1 Kings 17, verse one, here's what it says. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe, In Gilead, said to Ahab, that's the king, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So Elijah talks to this king and basically announces a curse. There's going to be no rain, there's going to be no dew. And this would go on for three and a half years. Uh, And so. For Elijah to say that, we realize that God has tremendous control. He can just shut off the rain. He can just stop the dew if he wants to. The first thing you can write down is this. Believe God controls everything. Believe God controls everything. We have to understand that this was Elijah's first job. Go and confront a wicked king because of his wickedness. And I don't know your opinions on our government, but let me just tell you, Elijah had it worse. The king in his day was King Ahab. His wife was even worse than him. That's Queen Jezebel. These are like two of the most most horrible rulers in all of biblical history. And Elijah had to go and confront them on their idolatry. What did they believe? Well, they believed in the god Baal and Uh, They believed that if a dry season came along, that it was because Baal was temporarily surrendering to the God of death. And then when he would eventually come back and bring the rain with him. That's the false teaching that they were allowing in the land of Israel. So Elijah confronted this and he announced a curse on the rain and on the land. Now we have to understand that there is a divine purpose for drought. When God brings a famine, when God brings a drought, when God creates a season of need, he has a reason for it. In this story, it's because Israel is in huge trouble. They knew better than turning away from their God and trusting a false God, Baal. They knew better. Moses warned them that if they turned away from the one true God, there would be many curses. One of the curses announced was famine and drought. So it's very clear in this story why a famine was coming. They were being punished for this for their disobedience. But regardless of when a financial famine comes to a land, there there is always a reason that God has for it. God wants to prove that he is faithful. And listen, the reason why right now we're in a time of uncertainty, the purpose God has for this season of 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 want and hardship and need Is the same as it was back then. He wants to prove faithful to you. God controls everything, and Elijah announced to this wicked king and his wicked wife that the rain would be shut off for three and a half years. Well, Elijah, that would put him in big trouble. Write this down. Here's what we learn God controls the weather. Just how strong and in control is God? Well, he controls the weather. Weather can have a great effect on your life and mine. It also has an effect on the food supply, right? We need water, we need food. And so if God shuts off the rain, that's a big problem. Back in 2013, we had a lot of rain in Chicago. Check out how it changed our neighborhoods. These are Chicago neighborhoods getting around in a boat. Here's another picture. This is, this is Chi-Town in the suburbs, Many years ago, here's another picture. If you've been to the Brookfield Zoo, you'd have to swim to the ticket counter to get in. And here's another picture where a water main broke and a sinkhole opened up and two cars fell inside. My goodness, look at what weather can do to life. And you can imagine in Israel when God said, The rain is off. How tragic it would be, how devastating it would be. God controls the weather. We had some strong weather uh, earlier this week, right? Lightning storms in the Chicagoland area. My girls decided to go outside and play in the rain. I heard them say, let's go out and play in the rain. So they were just out in the rain. And then this super loud lightning bolt, a thunder hit. All the lights went out on the whole block. And then they came running back in, even though they're brave teenagers now. They came running back in, laughing and collapsing on the floor, terrified, saying, that was terrifying. And uh, wow, God controls that, the weather. He's that strong. Jot this down. God controls the land. No dew, no crops, no food, no rain, no food. He controls the land. God is in control of the entire supply chain of everything you have ever eaten in your life. Listen, you didn't see him do it, but anything you have ever eaten in your life was a result of God's faithfulness to supply every step of the way, the food chain. It says in Psalm 145, 16, you, God, open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Now, if you're a living thing sitting there at home, go ahead and just put your hand up. If you're a living thing, if you're sitting there next to your spouse, maybe nudge them uh, because your hand should be up. If you're a living thing, God says he's the one from his hand. He opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. So God controls the weather. God controls the land. Jot this down. God controls the animals. We'll get this to this one in a second. But there's everything under his control. That includes your life. Now listen, a famine will test whether you believe this is true. Do you believe that God is in control of everything? A famine will test that conviction. A famine will reveal God's great strength and his ability to provide for you. Believe God controls everything. We are in a time that's unclear right now and for so many of us, maybe you're afraid. Maybe you don't know what is going to happen with your job. Maybe you don't know how the rest of the year is going to go for you financially and because there's been some relief, maybe that's just... uh, Put it off. You you don't know where it's going to land once the relief money is gone. Um, And given the uncertainty, given the lack of clarity, you have a choice. Will you believe God is in control even now, that He's big enough during this famine? You know, as I think about our church, God has been faithful to provide for us as a church plant for the last 10 years. Our church launched in the Great Recession back in 2009, the housing bubble had burst. And there we were, planting a church in the recession. Here's a picture of our launch team. We started in uh, January of 2009, and we began building a team of faithful people who said, let's start this new church. And the economy couldn't have been worse. Uh, The Dow had lost 50% in just a few years. 15 banks failed in a year. And there we were doing this high-risk thing called church planting. We needed to raise $80,000 as a launch team in eight months just to get through the first service because of equipment and expenses and costs. Wow. And on top of that, Lauren and I at home were trying to figure out how our personal budget would work while we were trying to uh, launch a church that didn't exist yet. I look back in my prayer journal, and I've got a note in my prayer journal back from December of 2008, as we were leading into the church planting season, and I wrote this, "'Lord, we've hit so many potholes recently. Our oven broke, our desktop computer broke, my laptop computer broke, our water heater broke, our washing machine broke, the old van broke, the old car broke, my new laptop broke, we have two flat tires on the new car, the new van is in for repair.' Our downstairs carpet was ruined because the foundation leaked. All of that was happening at once while we were stepping into a season of trying to church plant. And I've got to tell you that God proved faithful. In the end, I look back and I say, I don't know how he did it, but he provided for the needs of our church and for our family during that that great recession. God is in control of everything. Everything. And because I see his faithfulness over the last 10 years, I'm not afraid of this pandemic. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's in total control. So the first thing we see here at the command of Elijah is God's in control. The second thing you can write down is this. Believe God alone can meet all of your needs. Believe God alone can meet all of your needs. So it goes on in verse 2 to say this. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. I'm trying to imagine what it's like to be Elijah. He just confronted the king and queen and said, No rain until I say so. Then God said, Run for your life. And and he goes into this wilderness by this brook. And God says, I've got a plan. And my plan to take care of you is this. Birds. Birds. Birds? He says he's going to, he commanded the ravens. Oh, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Believe God alone can meet all of your needs. This is an incredible story of God's provision. Apparently, God speaks bird because he commanded the ravens and they did what God said. And they brought bread and meat twice a day. Ravens are pretty amazing birds. They're smart. They're known for being able to mimic other animals. In fact, ravens are known for if they see something they want to eat, but maybe it's out of their league, they can, they can call another animal, a predator, to the place to do some of their hunting for them and then they kind of just get the spoil when that animal is done. They're very smart. I've got a video here of a raven like talking, so check it out. Sounds they hear. mischief. can you say, hello? Hello. Good bird. He does all sorts of voices. Can you say, hi? Hi. Good job. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 That's pretty awesome. Ravens delivering food to Elijah. And this went on for a while. So Lauren and I experimented with grocery delivery recently. It actually didn't go so well. She found this site called Instacart. You know, we're thinking maybe we stay in more, we don't go out. And so humans did shopping for us and brought groceries, and they messed it up. There were like moldy strawberries. There were like six different bunches of bananas somehow. We ordered bananas and they brought six bunches of them and they were all green, like bright green. This was like three weeks ago. We still have them. We're waiting for them to turn yellow and they haven't. And so we had to complain and get a refund and humans didn't do it that well. The ravens got it right. Made me think about maybe starting a new business called like Rapid Ravens. We can train the ravens to deliver people's groceries for them twice a day. It's amazing that God did this. And it's unbelievable that God can provide for us in in any way possible. Uh, If you believe that God controls everything and nature, then you have to rest your heart in the reality that He can provide for you. Is He going to have birds show up on your windowsill? No, no. But He did that here to show that He's in total control. And therefore, He can provide for you. Trust God alone to meet all of your needs. Now, we're supposed to see here that Elijah followed the word of the Lord, and Ahab was not. So it says here, the word of the Lord came to him, verse 2, depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook. Elijah followed God's word out into the wilderness. That's where he found God's provision. So jot this down, God's provision flows when we follow his word. If you want to find God's provision, you have to follow his word. When we obey his word, especially in the area of finances, when we trust him, when we put his truths into practice and rest in his promises, that's when he provides for us. So Elijah was following, even though it didn't make sense, even though it looked like he was going into a worse place, that's where God provided for him every day. Here's a picture of the wilderness around Israel where there's like a brook, and uh, that's where Elijah spent a few years he was just there, out, out there, waiting for the next raven to show up, and, and God took care of him. Hey look, there, there was not a Walgreens, there was no Costco, he couldn't go to a Denny's, he had, there was no Chick-fil-A, he had bird food, and yet God fed him and took care of him. But he followed the voice of the Lord to that place of God's provision. That shows us that we have to follow God's word. Then he will provide for us. Jot this down. God will provide in impossible ways. Believe God alone can meet your needs. And know that his provision flows when we follow his word. And understand that God will provide in impossible ways. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you have stories of God providing for you, for your family, in ways that are unexplainable? Like maybe that's supernatural, right? But but you know that it doesn't make sense how God provided for your need. If you follow God by faith and you believe He controls everything, you will have those stories. You will have, and I know right now at home there are people nodding. Yes, I have those stories. I remember one story. A man had a brother who was living a rough life. The brother decided to make a turnaround spiritually. So he said, "All right." You got to get some things under control. We're going to start going to church and, and we're going to start reading our Bible and you're going to start giving to God. And the brother said, what? What do you mean I'm going to start giving to God? You got to worship God. You're going to begin tithing to the Lord. You're going to give the first 10% of your money to God. And he said, I don't have any extra income. And he said, look, do you believe in God and that he's going to provide for you or not? So that brother said, all right. And he, he began giving and he didn't know how it was going to work out. And then he went to a job and he was like moving stuff around, pallets, And he saw some quarters in the ground. And so he knelt down and he started picking up the quarters. And he realized there were more quarters under that. And so after he found a bunch of quarters, he went and got a shovel and he started digging. And wouldn't you know it, that by the time he was done, he had dug up just about as much in quarters right there in the ground as he had given in that first tithe. And he ran and told his brother and he was like, look, God provided. Now I'm not saying that you're going to stumble upon some weird Quarter burial ground, right? But God used that to show that He will provide, and He used that to say, "Look, I'm going to pro- provide in impossible ways," and and it's because you're following My word. I want you to have those stories. I want you to trust that God's going to provide in impossible ways, and you have to believe that He's in control of everything. Well, there's Elijah following God's word, confronting the king. What happens next? It says here in verse 7, And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. That had to be a really bad day for Elijah. I imagined him waking up and going down and looking and saying, Now the brook is gone. (laughs) I'm already in trouble with the king and queen. I'm being fed by birds, and now I still don't have any water. What am I supposed to do now? Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're at the what am I supposed to do now stage. Well, Jot this down, number three. Faith first, provision second. Faith first, provision second. God uh, expected Elijah to take another step of faith. It goes on in verse eight to say this. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sides. So now he's leaving Israel. And dwell there. Huh? This is a terrible time to travel. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. A widow... First a bird and now a widow. Widows were the poorest of the poor. They relied on begging. They relied on charity. They couldn't make it. And so for him to to say to Elijah, go to a foreign land and find a widow, this was a worse plan than the ravens. But Elijah did. He arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. This had to be weird for her because Elijah has just spent three years in the wild. He didn't smell very good. He's a stranger from another land asking for water, but she gave it to him. He called to her and said, bring me a little water, verse 11. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now this was too much. She said, As the Lord your God, did you get that? Your God. This is a different country. In fact, God marched Elijah into the center of Baal worship. He's now on Baal's home field. And he's talking to someone who's expecting Baal to provide for her. So she says, The Lord as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And die. And die. Listen, Elijah shows up. He finds the widow. She says, I'm preparing my last meal. We're out of food. We're going to eat today and die tomorrow. Doesn't this sound like a terrible plan? How on earth is God going to use this widow to provide for Elijah? But by faith, he presents the request and gives her an opportunity to respond. Here's what he said. He said, do not fear. Listen, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now look, I want you to understand just how huge of a crisis of faith this is for this woman. She's a single mom. She and her son, like they've got like a cracker pack left. And this this scraggly old smelly stranger shows up from Israel and says, God says he will provide for you until the rain comes back. Now she has to trust a foreign God to turn the rain back on. Rain was Baal's specialty. He was supposed to come back and turn the rain on. She now has a crisis of faith. She heard a promise from God that he would provide for her. But she's got to do this thing where she gives this prophet food first, and then trusts God to provide. Wow. Well, it turns out she was losing faith in her God. And God marched Elijah right up to this woman who was ready to believe in the one true God. And listen to what she did. This is so amazing. She went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Can you imagine you in this situation? You look in your fridge, there's nothing. You look in their cabinets, there's nothing. You have one jar of flour and there's a tiny bit left. You have one jar of oil and it's almost gone. And some smelly stranger comes from another country and says, look, God promised to provide for you, but make me food first. What a crisis of faith. And guess what she did? Faith first, provision second. Hey, this was life or death. If she failed this test, she would have died. But she passed. She passed. Faith first, provision second. When God calls you to walk by faith, no matter how hard your life is, you have to respond by faith in what God has said. Hey, listen, no matter how afraid you are, no matter how worried you are, no matter how tempted you are, don't do something foolish. Don't do something faithless faith first, provision second. God will provide. God will provide. We've got a map here of just how far Elijah had to go. He was there in the brook by his hometown. I would imagine during a time of famine, he was glad to be by his hometown. Now he's all the way up there and he's with this widow and and he's going to stay there for a while. And that's God's plan. Hey, look, no matter how confusing God's provision might be, no matter how far away from home it seems to take you, no matter how unlikely the source of provision is, trust him. Faith first, provision second. God can provide for you in so many different ways. Most of the time, God's provision for you is a job. He will provide you with a job, and that's God's way most of the time to meet your needs and the needs of your family. But he can use the government, like in Joseph's day when the government stored up, Grain for a time of famine and then open the storehouses, he can do that. He also can provide through family members and through church family. But what are some principles that we can pull out of this story here? Well, jot this down don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Elijah said to the woman as she was about to prepare her last meal for her son, don't be afraid. And let me just challenge you on that hey, hey, no fear, we're not afraid. Say that to yourself. Say that to your spouse. Say that to your family. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what's happening here. Don't be afraid. You know, for me and Lauren, we've had many different frightening things happen in our finances. One of them was back around when we were launching the church. We owned a home in the western suburbs of Chicago where I was a youth pastor there, and it was the worst possible time imaginable to list a house. And so we listed the house and It was in late 2008. We were going to sell the house and then move down here to launch the church in 2009. And it was so sad. We had an open house and we put balloons on the mailbox and then we got ready and the house was all pretty and ready to go. And no one came to the open house. Not one person. We were just sitting there on the couch like puppies looking out the window and no one came. There were just balloons floating in the wind. And we got really upset and afraid and then Lauren said, well, maybe we should rent the house out. And I was, I was really afraid of doing that. I didn't want a renter. I imagined a worst case scenario where they didn't pay their rent and they trashed the house. I didn't want to do that. But it turns out as we prayed over time, God revealed that that's what he had for us. So we listed the house as a rental and it was upside down. We couldn't sell it. So we listed it as a rental. And wouldn't you know it, he brought along a widow to rent our house. She had lost her husband the year before and she lived just down the street. She said, I've got to downsize. And we had a heart for her because she wanted to keep her children in the local school district and they even attended our old church. And so we said, well, this doesn't seem to make sense, but we're going to rent to you. And she came to us and she said, look, I'm, I'm going to pay the first year up front. And her finances were a mess. She was going to declare bankruptcy and we didn't know how it was going to play out. So she gave us a year's worth of rent up front. Somehow her financial situation was stabilized. She was not a Christian. And somehow the next year came around and she said, you know what, I'm just going to give you the second year's rent too. Here you go. And we said, you know you can pay us like each month. And she said to us, you know what, I don't like writing checks. It's inconvenient. So I'll just give you the full year up front. Now listen, that went on for three, four, five, six, seven, eight years straight We got eight checks from a widow and we haven't, she worked at a grocery store. We have no clue how God did that, but somehow the oil in her jar kept getting filled up and she kept giving us one check a year. How does that happen? That is impossible, but God worked it out. And then at the end, she said, all right, well, it's time for me to move on. And it's amazing. The end of the story, we listed the house and it sold in just three days and we closed in a month. God wrote an amazing ending to that story, and it was really his mercy that during that housing crisis and everything, he just saw us through that, and I can't tell you how afraid I was at times about how God was going to provide, but listen, I'm I'm now saying to you, faith first, provision second, don't be afraid. Jot this down, allow others to help you, allow others to help you, God will use others to meet your needs because he wants to build his church into a loving family. So let me just encourage you. Look, if you're in a position of need, don't be stubborn. Don't be too proud to make your need known. Don't say, well, I'm just going to go it alone. And and if I can't provide for myself, then I'm willing to suffer. That's not God's plan for you. He wants to to use others to help you. So you have to make your needs known and then you have to watch God work. You know, when I was called into pastoral ministry, I didn't have any Bible degree. And so people started coming to me and Lauren and they were like, hey, are you going to go get a Bible education? I was like, yeah. And they're like, all right, we want to help pay for that. And so they started offering to cover tuition. And we had two young kids at home and then three young kids at home. We didn't have money for that. But I was able to get my master's degree at Moody Bible Institute. Listen, we never asked once for help, but other people paid for the whole thing We didn't pay a penny, not for food, not for books, not for tuition, not for anything. He used other people to do it. And I'm thrilled that those people now are rejoicing at what God has done in our lives from that time. So allow others to help you. Jot this down, trust God to multiply your resources. Look, we don't know exactly how this works and it's not a guarantee, but somehow when you walk with God and you're faithful to him and you trust him, yes, he can extend the life time of your cars and your furnace and your clothes and your savings and your roof there are just ways that he can make your resources last longer he can multiply what you have he's amazing he can do that and you have these stories too if you've walked with god again this is not like some mystical guarantee but he just finds ways to extend out the things that you do have provided you're consecrated to him Don't be afraid. Allow others to help you. Trust God to multiply your resources. And jot this down. Pray huge prayers. Pray huge prayers. The New Testament gives us a closing summary on the life of Elijah, and it says this. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Hey, listen, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed and the rain stopped. He prayed and the rain started. So let me just invite you. I don't know where you're at when it comes to the finances, when it comes to God's provision, but look, believe he controls everything. Believe God alone can meet all of your needs. Faith first, provision second. Don't be afraid. Allow others to help you. Trust God to multiply your resources and pray huge prayers. Look, I think God is going to have amazing stories for you, for me, for our church, for our families. He's going to have amazing stories of how he provides, but we have to walk by faith. And I want to just invite you to trust God this morning to provide for you during this time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, we don't know what the next few weeks will hold. We don't know what the next few months will hold. We don't know what the next few years will hold. But I know you are in control of everything. And so, Father, right now, I just pray that your people would trust you. I pray that they would humble themselves before you and that they would say what they already know. Father, you are in control of everything. Father, I trust you to provide. Lord, remind us how you fed the 5,000 with just a few loaves, a few fishes. That's all it took. Remind us that if we bring what we have to you, that you will multiply it. Father, help us to not be foolish. Help us to not be fearful, but help us to be faithful. I pray that as we continue to honor you with what you've given to us, that you would provide for us and meet all of our needs just as you've promised. And Lord, if, if some hit a season where they, they can't, They can't pay their bills. They they can't give to you. They, They can't. Oh Lord, may they be humble and may they make their need known. And may you surround them with provision from the government that you have established, from the church that you have given them, from family and friends. And may you teach them what it means to receive the love and provision from other people. Father, I pray that you would write amazing stories during this time. I pray that you would show us, Lord, prove that During this famine, you are faithful to provide for all of our needs. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.